Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two, episode eight. I'm joined today again with Brian Dixon, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> the man who opened for Jars of Clay back oh in the day. Oh boy. Back in the day. I was hoping you could come with me to, you know, just everywhere and just announce me. In the- <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. the man, the myth. People are like, the what? Legend. what? Mostly legends. What's going on? <laughs> so we are um, tackling several questions from the sermon series, Restoring Sexual Sanity. This is, this is uh, a nine-part series. We've received several excellent questions. Um, and we're going to try to tackle three or four more today. So, Brian, what's the next question? Yeah, so should a Christian attend a gay wedding, and what if it is their child who's getting married? Yeah, great question. Oh, such a great question. Um, I should have said this in, in, in the previous episode, but I, I think there needs to be a lot of grace with other Christians as we're thinking through these brand new ethical issues that we haven't yeah. had to think through yeah. ever in church history. So, you know, with, with preferred pronouns, with should I go to the gay wedding, I think there just needs to be a lot of grace given to other people as they may have different convictions than me or you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, though, um, I, would, I would never go to a gay wedding. And the reason why is because when you go to a wedding, you're, you're going to that wedding to observe the vows, to celebrate what's happening, um, and, and to encourage the bride and the groom. Um, and when it's a gay wedding, uh, what's happening, the Bible says, is an abomination. So when, when you think about Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, um, Moses describes homosexuality as an abomination. Um, strong, strong language from Moses. Um, but it, it would just be a conscience wreck for me to go to a wedding and, and to celebrate what's happening, knowing that, that the Bible says that what's happening is an abomination in God's eyes. So it's, it, and it's it, not to be too graphic, but um, I would never, ever go and witness incest or witness and celebrate bestiality or pedophilia. Never, never, ever, ever. No word, most Christians. Yeah. Um, so what, what's the difference? Because the, the Bible says that all those things are an abomination. Um, now, man, if it was my, if it was my own son, heaven forbid, that'd be hard. Yeah. It'd be really hard to not go and, and communicate to my son that I still love him, um, and care about him. But I think there's ways to do that. I think there's ways to say to your son or daughter, look, I love you, mom, and I love you so much. We want to be there for you. Uh, and, and, and if you marry this, this woman, if you're my daughter, we're going to love your spouse too. We're going to love both of you. And we're going to have you into our home. And you're going to be part of our family. Um, but we can't go to your wedding. We just can't because of what the Bible says about the sin of homosexuality. So I don't know how I would navigate that, but I, I just, it just seems like based on how the Bible describes 
homosexuality, I could never go to a gay wedding in good conscience. Anything to add to that? Well, I'm there with you. Like, yeah, I could never, I could never attend for all the same reasons, but I flinch at that when I start to put one of my kids in the context of it. Right. It's like, okay, wow, that would be difficult. That would be hard to now live out that conviction um, with one of them. And, you know, yeah, today, right now, I would not attend. I, I would, I would express, like you said, as much as I can, my love and care for them. I love and care for, uh, you know, the person that they're with. Um, I think it's important we speak the truth in love and lay out. Um, but if it is one of my kids, I'm, we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, because we have been teaching you <laughs> what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're doing. You know where we're at where we're coming from and why this is creating such a difficulty because sin has consequences Mm -hmm. and typically those consequences are relational. Um, but yeah, I, that would, all that being said, when you, when you bring it home, you know, it's like, Oh boy, that is hard. Which is why I think there needs to be lots of grace. Yes. So I have, I have an opinion on this. It's a pretty strong opinion. But if, if another Christian parent uh, felt otherwise and they wanted to attend their gay son or daughter's wedding, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't do church discipline for yeah. that. Yeah. So. Moving on to the next question, um, which says, some people like to say when explaining why people are gay, oh, they were born that way. These can be the same people who say, follow the science when explaining those issues. Uh, there is no scientific evidence that people are born gay. How would you answer that comment? Yeah, I think this question was probably came before my sermon last week. Mm-hmm. I think it was last week where I talked about causation. Um, yeah, there's, there, there is, there's zero scientific evidence that there's a gay gene. And as I mentioned in my sermon... There were one or two studies done in the, in the early 90s trying to prove that, done by homosexuals that had been totally debunked by scientists, both secular and Christian scientists. Not Christian scientists, but Christians who are scientists. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good distinction. <laughs> um, but as I also said in my sermon, I mean, we, we, we are all born with sinful tendencies, whether it's pride or greed or covetousness or anger. Mm-hmm or some kind of sexual deviancy. We're, we're all born with sinful tendencies, um, which, which does not excuse our sin. So yeah. I, I would also, you know, when, when someone says, follow the science, my response is always, no one ever follows the science. They follow scientists. Mm-hmm. There's an important distinction there. And that's because science is never, ever a settled issue. You have scientists who, who are making um, pronouncements who are utilizing the scientific method and, and are, are, are trying to prove things. Um, but, uh, no one follows the science. They follow scientists Mm. and scientists all have presuppositions. Mm -hmm. They all have methods they utilize. Um, now, now there are certain things in science that most people agree on. Yeah. So I'm not at all dismissing science. I think science is really important. And as a Christian, I love science and I, 
science, in my opinion, is is provides really good evidence that the God of the Bible is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, we fo- we follow scientists, mm-hmm. not the science. And when all is said and done, as Christians, our final authority is never science; it's the Word of God. Although the Word of God and science will never ultimately contradict one another. And theologians talk about how there's two books, the book of creation and the book of scripture. And those two books are always working together um, and never, never in contradiction. Mm-hmm. So um, now, now with that said, with all that said, there are certain people that say, well, I've, I've always been this way. Ever mm-hmm. since I was a child, um, I have struggled with same-sex attraction. When I was four, five, six, I knew I was different. Um, I've, I've always been this way. Um, and, and that's because again, going back to science, <laughs> um, and sociology, that's because often what happens is, and this is the way God has designed things is that little children, especially young children, they are constantly learning from their parents, um, what it means to be masculine and feminine. And, and, and the, the dad's role is especially important here. Um, if, uh, if a, a father withholds affection when a child is really, really small, if a father's really distant or absent and the mom's really domineering or the dad's a jerk, um, that, that, that shapes a child's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense to me that uh, if, if you have someone who says, I've always, I've always had these tendencies I've always had same-sex attraction, and my dad's always been a passive jerk. Okay, well, that, that makes sense, because when you were a small child um, and, and you were still thinking about and, and forming your sexuality, mm-hmm. uh, what was imprinted on you was not helpful or healthy. Yeah. Now, with all that said, I want to be really careful, because um, there is not one cause of um, sexual confusion. Mm-hmm. So it's... There are certain people that grow up in, in homes where mom and dad are wonderful. Yeah. They love the child. There's lots of affection. And for whatever reason, the child ends up with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I do not want, the last thing I want is for Christian parents to feel like, man, my kid is gay. It's totally our fault. We weren't good parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was neglectful. I was passive, whatever. Yeah. That that is the case sometimes, but not always. Yeah. And so I wouldn't want parents to feel this sense of guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many, many, many factors. Um, some of the factors are uh, we live in a culture that is just bombarding young people all the time on mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook and Amazon Prime and Netflix and in the school system. They're they're being constantly bombarded. With the message that that you can be whoever you want to be, um, explore yourself sexually. Um, there are a thousand different genders, um, and, and that that has significant effects on kids, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're in the wrong peer group. Yeah. So that's also a factor. So there are a variety of factors that that lead to homosexuality and lesbianism. There's not one factor, but in my experience, often. It has to do with a broken relationship with with dad in mm-hmm. particular, sometimes mom, but usually dad. Um, I, I'm also aware of situations um, where I know at least a few lesbians um, who were married to men and their husbands were 
absolute jerks and tyrants or totally passive and non-sexual. Mm-hmm. And so the spouses, the, the wives left their husbands because mm-hmm. they weren't getting any love or affection from their husbands. Mm-hmm. And they found it in females. Yeah. So that's another cause. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of, of issues that, yeah. that cause this. So I don't want to pin it down to one thing. Which is important because I think yeah. like too often it's, especially I, I would, I'll just say it. And I think in Christian circles, we want it, we want to simplify something that right. is not simple. Right. Uh, it's this, it's this period. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. People yeah. are complicated. They are. <laughs> We're all complicated and we all inherit guilt and corruption from Adam. Mm. And that comes in a variety of forms and takes a variety of shapes and, so, so, so with the same-sex attraction, the solution for SSA people seems to be celibacy and no sex. And this seems like a simplistic solution, um, considering the God-designed physical, emotional, relational aspect of sex. This seems to ignore Paul's um, directive in 1 Corinthians 7-9 to get married versus burn with passion. Kind of more of a statement, a question. Yeah, I think, I think this person think what they're suggesting is mm-hmm. is that people with same-sex attraction should just get married. Okay. Is that how you're interpreting this? A little bit. Like I'm kind of looking at that trying to interpret it, going, yeah. okay, what are we what are we trying to there's no question here. Yeah. But it seems like that's the direction we're going. Yeah. Because of again Paul's uh directive in First Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that's a it's it's a it's a good, it's a good comment. First Corinthians seven nine is is inspired scripture, mm-hmm. and Paul there has a. I think it's better to marry than burn with passion text. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Paul holds marriage in high, high, high esteem. In Rosario Butterfield's book Five Lies, um, she she does make the point um, that it, uh, if 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 someone is coming out of a same-sex attracted lifestyle um, and they come to Christ and there's, there's even the slightest hint of attraction to the opposite sex, then it is really good to marry. Hmm. And she, she makes the point that your spouse can be a huge, huge blessing to you and an advocate for you and they can help you. And she gives several examples in the book of, of couples in that situation where... Um, one of the spouses has has attractions to both both male and female genders, yeah. um, but they got married um, because the Bible describes marriage as a wonderful thing. So, I, on on one hand, like yes, I I, I would want to encourage people uh, that have same sex attraction, if at all possible, yes, get married to the opposite sex mm-hmm. if it's right. You know, if you're both Christians and you love each other and. And she also makes the point that um, there's going to be challenges in those marriages. Oh, yeah. Big challenges. Yeah. Um, but uh, God's grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- now, with all that said, there are some people, and I, I, can, I can think of a couple of people, Beckett Cook, Sam Alberry, and others, um, who, who come out of that lifestyle um, and, and who would say, like, unfortunately... I have no sexual attraction to the opposite sex whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I would love to get married, but there's yeah. just, there's just like zero attraction, and not to be too graphic, but we like sex is just not yeah an option. It's not on the table. Not on the table. Yeah. 
Um, you know, so what, what does that person do? You know, do, do, do they get married and have a sexless marriage? Well, I, I think I it's looking think at so. it. Yeah. Cause the marriage is not going to solve that problem. Right. Right. So yeah. getting married to, with the, uh, I think going into it thinking that, well, being married will solve these issues I have with same sex attraction. Well, no, it, like, I think there's a lot of work that needs to go into, yeah. Uh, where you're at before getting married and not necessarily using marriage as the solution for. Right. Because getting married, as you know, that just brings on all kinds of yeah. of issues yeah. because you have two centers that are coming together. Yeah. But if you're going there thinking it's going to solve a certain yeah. issue, yeah, I think like what you're saying, when people have done that work, when they've come out of that lifestyle and the benefit of being married and what God intended in that, and how that can save and protect you, yeah. and keep you on that path. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. Right. But I think going into it with the expectation that this is going to take this away or solve that problem, yeah, without doing any initial work, that's Man. that's, yeah, that would be trouble. That would be. And, and as I said in my sermon, I think it was last week. Um, there was a study done about. 20 years ago, and it indicated that 65% of homosexuals with therapy and counseling um, can end up attracted to and married to the opposite sex. I think it was 40% of lesbians. I don't know why there's a big difference there in, uh, in percentages. But th the point in saying that is, is that people can change, mm -hmm. and marriage, marriage can be a massive blessing and protection for people. But I think what we're saying is not for everybody. There's just certain people that that are that are grieved by the fact that they they simply have no physical attraction, sexual attraction to the opposite sex. Yeah. They want to have it, but they don't have it, and so they're not burning with passion for the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I I would I think I would agree with what's behind this statement. Yes, marriage, marriage is, is a wonderful protection from God. But for certain people, it's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So. So what do we do then? So moving to this next question that rolls in nicely. So at our church, what does our relationships look like when homosexuals come to church or our community groups? Because you indicated in your sermon, truth, love, and compassion. When does truth... Um, uh, in the homosexual topic come up right away, later. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would probably real quick just say, like, what's your relationship to this person? Right. You know? Right. And because uh, I, I think that just dictates a lot of when you say things, when you don't say things, right? Yeah. Hi, my name's John. I've never met you. I'm homosexual. Yeah. Is now really the time yeah. for me to tell you, you know? Um. Maybe, but a lot of times, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it totally depends on the relationship, as, as you just indicated. Um, I, I think we always need to err on the side of, of love and grace. Um, this came up, came up at our community group this week, and, and I made the point that we, we can be insanely winsome and kind and gracious um, and people may still hate us. Mm. They hated Jesus, and he was the most winsome person in the world. Mm -hmm. And they 
They hated the Apostle Paul, and he was also very winsome and kind and gracious. Mm-hmm. So on, on one hand, as our culture increasingly devolves into moral anarchy, we just need to expect that people are going to hate us, no matter when we bring this up. Mm-hmm. Although with that said, I mean, I, I just, just thinking about my relationships, my friends, the gay people that I know, the first thing I would want to do is, is communicate. I care about you as a person. I yeah. love you as a person. I want, I want to be your friend. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you about Jesus. Yeah. And, and part of following him is that we all repent of all of our sins. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of sins. You have a bunch of sins. Yeah. And we all need to repent of our sins. Yeah. And at that point, I'd, I'd, I probably would bring up homosexuality. Yeah. But that, I, would, I wouldn't lead with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would lead with, you're made in God's image. You were designed for a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all sinners. And uh, we all need God's grace. And that comes as we repent of our sins and trust him. Yeah. Um, and no one's going to listen to us if they know we don't care. Right. You know, so I think it's like, especially within this topic... The ground that needs to be cultivated there in relationship to be able to have that conversation. Yeah. I think it's wise for for as a Christian to pray through that. Like, what, what are what's appropriate uh, within this context to be able to get to know that person well enough to bring that up and talk about it and right. to lovingly share the gospel with them over and over and over again. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, and I. <sighs> I, I hope, I hope and pray that we have homosexuals and lesbian couples attending our church and our community groups. I know it would be messy, mm. um, but man, look at, look at the church in Corinth. Yeah. They were getting drunk at communion mm. and people were committing incest. Yeah. Uh, First Corinthians five. So, you know, would it be messy? Yeah, it'd be messy, mm-hmm. but man, I, I, it'd be fantastic if, if if this was a problem, if if it was a if people were if homosexuals were coming to GCF and holding hands in the lobby, I, I would think, man, we're doing something right. Mm. That that's a win because they're coming to our church. Yeah, yeah. they're they're coming to our church. Mm-hmm. Now, are, are there going to have to be some conversations we, we'll have to have with our our kids? Probably. Yeah. Is yeah. it going to be awkward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But man, I I would rather have those conversations with my kids and people that are upset. And have sinners in our church. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways. Yeah, because the reality is, like you said, the there there will be no change if there's always a divide. Right. If there's never an invite, and if we are not welcoming. Right. Um, well, we, we could we could tackle a lot more subjects, yeah. but that's probably probably enough for now. Yeah. Um, thanks for all the great questions that have come in. Uh, we've got one more sermon in this series, which will hopefully generate more questions. But uh, if you're listening, please send in questions about anything at all, theological, biblical, church-related, Brian Dixon's personal life, whatever you want to talk about, <laughs> we're gonna, we'll talk about it. With that said, thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, discipleship, and evangelism. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.com dot o-r-g.